Hello, this is Father John Arthur, or Associate Pastor at Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is our 31st presentation on Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. The 133 talks given by Pope John Paul II during the five years 1979 through 1984. We're indebted to Professor Michael Waldstein, whose edition we're using. Where does the insatiability of the union come from? The analysis we carried out during the last reflection was centered on the following words of Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, addressed by God Yahweh to the first woman after original sin. Your desire shall be for your husband, but he will dominate you. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. We arrived at the conclusion that these words contain an adequate clarification and a deeper interpretation of original shame, see Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, which became part of man and woman together with concupiscence. The explanation of this shame should not be sought in the body itself, in the somatic sexuality of both, but it goes back to the deepest transformations suffered by the human spirit. Precisely, this spirit is particularly aware of how insatiable it is with regard to the mutual union between man and woman. In addition, this consciousness shifts the blame to the body, so to speak. It takes from the body the simplicity and purity of the meaning connected with the original innocence of the human being. In relation to this consciousness, shame is a secondary experience. While on the one hand it reveals the moment of concupiscence, at the same time it can provide weapons ahead of time against the consequences of the threefold component of concupiscence. One can even say that through shame, man and woman almost remain in the state of original innocence. In fact, they continually become conscious of the spousal meaning of the body and intend to protect it, so to speak, from concupiscence, just as they try to maintain the value of communion or of the union of persons in the unity of the body. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 speaks with discretion but also clarity about the union of bodies in the sense of authentic union of persons. The man will unite with his wife, and the two will be one flesh. And from the context, it is clear that this union comes from a choice, given that the other man leaves father and mother to unite with his wife. Such a union of persons implies that they become one flesh, starting from this sacramental expression, which corresponds to the communion of persons of the man and the woman, in their original call to conjugal union, we can understand better the message proper to Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. That is, we can establish and reconstruct, as it were, what the imbalance consists of. Even better, the special deformation of the original interpersonal relationship of communion to which the sacramental words of Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, refer. One can therefore say, to show the deeper meaning of Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, that on the one hand, the body, which is constituted in the unity of the personal subject, does not cease to arouse the desire 
for personal union, precisely due to masculinity and femininity, your desire shall be for your husband. On the other hand, concupiscence itself simultaneously directs these desires in its own way. This is confirmed by the expression, he will dominate you. Now the concupiscence of the flesh directs these desires toward the appeasement of the body, often at the cost of an authentic and full communion of persons. In this sense, attention should be paid to the manner in which the semantic emphases are distributed in the verses of Genesis chapter 3. In fact, although they are scattered, they reveal an inner coherence. The man seems to feel shame of his body with particular intensity. I was afraid, because I am naked, and I hid myself. Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. These words highlight the truly metaphysical character of shame. At the same time, the man is the one for whom shame, united with concupiscence, was to become an impulse to dominate the woman. He will dominate you. Later, the experience of such domination shows itself more directly in the woman as the insatiable desire for a different union. From the moment in which the man dominates her, the communion of persons, which consists in the spiritual unity of the two subjects who gave themselves to each other, is replaced by a different mutual relationship, namely, by a relationship of possession of the other as an object of one's own desire. If this impulse prevails in the man, the desires that the woman directs toward him, according to the expression of Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, can assume and do assume an analogous character, and perhaps at times they precede the man's desire or even attempt to arouse it and give it impetus. The text of Genesis chapter 3 verse 16 seems to point above all to the man as the one who desires, analogous to the text of Matthew chapter 5 verses 27 and 28, which is the point of departure of the present meditations. Nevertheless, the man and the woman have become a human being subject to concupiscence, and for this reason, the lot of both is shame, whose deep resonance touches the innermost being of both the male and the female personality, even though in a different way. What we grasp in Genesis chapter 3 barely allows us to outline this duality, but even the mere hints are already very significant. We add that this text, which is so ancient, is surprisingly eloquent and acute. The corruption of the spousal meaning of the body, meaning measure of the heart. An adequate analysis of Genesis chapter 3 leads thus to the conclusion that the threefold concupiscence, including that of the body, brings with it a limitation of the spousal meaning of the body itself, the spousal meaning in which man and woman shared in the state of original innocence. When we speak about the meaning of the body, we refer above all to the full consciousness of the human being, but we also include every effective experience of the body in its masculinity and femininity, and, in any case, the constant predisposition to such an experience. 
The meaning of the body is not something merely conceptual. We have already sufficiently directed the attention of earlier analyses to this point. The meaning of the body is, at the same time, what shapes the attitude. It is the way of living the body. It is the measure that the inner man, that is the heart, to which Christ appeals in the Sermon on the Mount, applies to the human body with regard to its masculinity or femininity, and thus with regard to its sexuality. That meaning does not modify the reality in itself, that is, that which the human body is and does not cease to be in the sexuality that belongs to it, independently of the states of our consciousness and our experiences. Yet apart from the system of real, concrete relations between man and woman, the purely objective meaning of the body and of sex is in some sense ahistorical. In the present analysis, we, by contrast, take into account man's historicity in conformity with the biblical sources, also because we start from man's theological prehistory, what is evidently at stake here is an inner dimension that escapes the outer criteria of historicity, but that can still be considered historical. Even more, it stands at the root of all facts that constitute man's history, also the history of sin and salvation, and in this way they reveal the depth and very root of his historicity. In this vast context, when we speak about concupiscence as a limitation, violation, or complete deformation of the spousal meaning of the body, we go back above all to our earlier analyses regarding the state of original innocence, that is, man's theological prehistory. At the same time, we have in mind the measure that historical man with this heart applies to his own body in regard to male and female sexuality. This measure is not something exclusively conceptual. It is what shapes the attitudes and is in general decisive for the way of living the body. Certainly, the Christ refers to this measure in the Sermon on the Mount. We are trying here to approach the words taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, at the very threshold of man's theological history, considering them already in the context of Genesis chapter 3. Concupiscence as a limitation, violation, or complete deformation of the spousal meaning of the body can be observed in a particularly clear way despite the conciseness of the biblical account. In the first two parents, Adam and Eve, thanks to them, we have been able to find the spousal meaning of the body and to rediscover what it consists of as the measure of the human heart, such that it shapes the original form of the communion of persons. If in their personal experience, which the biblical text allows us to follow, that original form suffered imbalance and deformation, as we try to show through the analysis of shame, then what likewise suffered deformation was the spousal meaning of the body, which was the measure of the heart of both, of the man and of the woman, in the 
situation of original innocence, if we succeed in reconstructing what this deformation consists of, we will also have the answer to our question, namely, what the concupiscence of the flesh consists of, and what constitutes its theological and at the same time anthropological specificity. It seems that a theologically and anthropologically adequate answer important in regard to the meaning of Christ's words in the Sermon on the Mount, can already be drawn from the context of Genesis chapter 3, and from the whole Yahwist account, which has allowed us earlier to clarify the spousal meaning of the human body. And with these words, our Holy Father concludes his 31st Catechesis, Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. This 31st Catechesis of Pope John Paul II is in the second part of the first part. The words of Christ, that's the first part, specifically Christ appealing to the human heart. Jesus is not teaching aliens. He's not teaching the puppy dogs. He came to teach us, not only about Almighty God, about himself, but also us about ourselves. And so he appeals to our hearts. You have heard it said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. I say, whoever looks with desire, a disordered desire, a lustful desire upon another, has already committed adultery. Christ appeals to our human heart, which he has called us to be pure with. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Christ the Lord addresses these words to the human heart, to the human heart of you and I, your heart and my heart, the heart of every human being who ever has and whoever will be. These are fallen hearts, fallen human nature. We live after the fall, after original sin, and so we suffer the consequences of original sin, not only suffering, not only death, not only ignorance, the difficulty or the inability to know the truth with ease, but also that tendency to sin, which is concupiscence. This part of the theology of the body of Pope John Paul II is actually entitled The Man of Concupiscence. And in the light of this tendency to sin, not only with our bodies, not only with our souls, our, our whole self has this tendency to sin, the Pope addresses this question, where does the insatiability of the union come from? And he attempts to answer that question as follows. It is the corruption of the spousal meaning of the body. The spousal meaning of the body was good and was from the beginning, but the fall, the original sin, introduced another aspect, an aspect contrary to the intentions of Almighty God, attention to the good plan of the good God for us, for ourselves who have been made well. God saw all that he had made, and it was good. Our goodness has been corrupted, even as our bodies so often are corrupted in the grave, awaiting the resurrection. The spousal meaning of the body, in part, forfeited by original sin. And so, so much of this 31st Catechesis addresses this corruption of the spousal meaning of the body repeatedly in several passages. Six different times he really addresses this corruption of the spousal meaning of the body, this suffering which is the concupiscence, 
a consequence of the fall. Good news is contrasted with bad news, and the good news is Jesus has died and risen to save us from ourselves, to save us from our sins. That's the good news. The bad news is we've sinned. The bad news is we have fallen, and we fall still. Whoever says they're without sin is a liar, and the truth is not in them. Pope John Paul II has not been giving these conferences in order to beat us up, but to give us an opportunity to hear the good news. But the good news stands in contrast with the bad news. Part of this catechesis is the bad news of the corruption of the spousal meaning of the body. So I have some longer quotes here. The explanation of this shame, shame is a consequence of original sin, should not be sought in the body itself. The Manichaeans or the Gnostics, these people, they were saying the body is bad, matter is bad. The Pope is not saying that. God would not have made so much matter, so many bodies, if it was bad. Don't seek an explanation of the shame in the body itself alone. In the somatic sexuality of both. That's a fancy way to speak about the body. But it goes back to the deepest transformations suffered by the human spirit. What are these deepest transformations suffered by the human spirit? Sin, original sin, and actual sin. This is what has corrupted the spousal meaning of the body. The way we look at each other, the way we speak with each other or about each other, the way we deal with each other, corrupted by sin, that which we have inherited and those which we commit ourselves. That's how shame is to be explained. That is how the Pope is trying to answer the question, where does the insatiability of the union come from? An insatiability is an inability to be quenched. If your thirst is insatiable, you cannot drink enough. You're still thirsty. A lack of satisfaction. Another passage from this 31st Catechesis, man and woman, he created them a theology of the body, and goes like this. The concupiscence of the flesh directs those desires, the desires of the flesh, the concupiscent desires, toward the appeasement of the body, often at the cost of an authentic and full communion of persons. This passage, like the one I cited earlier, focuses our attention again on concupiscence. No one can say that the Holy Father is overconfident in our fallen nature. He's calling a spade a spade. He's saying that we have a fallen nature. We have a tendency to sin. And sometimes the consequence of that is a misdirected appeasement of the body. Sometimes we sin with our souls, and sometimes we sin with our bodies. And sometimes it's a hybrid sin where we sin in our desires and in our actions. That's the bad news. The good news is Jesus has come to redeem us. Jesus has come to save us from ourselves, to give us the grace we need to be pure of heart, to not look with a lustful desire upon another, but that we might have a full communion of persons, an authentic communion of persons, mirroring that communion of persons, which is the Holy Trinity, Almighty God himself, in whose image we have all been made. A third passage from this 31st Catechesis, which highlights again concupiscence, goes like this, from the moment in which the man dominates her, the communion of persons, which consists of the spiritual unity of the two subjects who gave themselves to each other, is replaced. 
by a different mutual relationship, namely by a relationship of possession of the other as an object of one's own desire. Here again we see that the Holy Father does not have an irrational exuberance when it comes to our fallen state. He acknowledges concupiscence, our tendency to do evil in our relationships with each other. Domination is not communion. The other is not a possession an object of desire, but rather another self. And the Holy Father calls this out because the undiagnosed problem cannot be addressed. And so if we recognize in ourselves or in our neighbors this tendency, this attempt to dominate, then we can put on the breaks. We can say to the horse, whoa, and allow the Lord to dominate us, to submit ourselves to his gentle yet firm yoke, that we might be possessed of the Holy Spirit, not of that other spirit, which is the father of lies and the prince of darkness, whom Christ has overcome by his death and resurrection, the wholesome relationship replaced by a different relationship, not equal relationship. It's it's a mocking relationship. It's the anti-communion of persons. A fourth passage from the Theology of the Body, which again shows how our Holy Father was not looking through rose-colored glasses, but seeing things as they are, that the Lord might redeem us, that we might allow the Lord to redeem us by his powerful grace, is when he shows the unity between Genesis chapter 3 verse 16 and Matthew chapter 5 verses 27 and 28. He does all of that here in this 31st catechesis of the theology of the body. Both the man and the woman have become a human being subject to concupiscence. Again, that is the tendency to sin. That is a consequence of the fall of original sin. The Holy Father is not saying everything's okay. He's reminding us how much we need a Savior, how grateful we should be for Christ Jesus our Lord. The Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, was not a Pelagian. He did not believe that we can do it all ourselves. We don't need God's grace. We can be chaste and pure of heart. We can be virtuous without any outside help. No, he diagnoses the problem here that the divine physician, who is Christ the Lord, might apply the medicine we need, which is his grace, beginning in holy baptism, and for those sins we commit after baptism, the sacrament of penance, that our relationships with each other, with our God, and with ourselves might be wholesome, and according to the divine plan and will. Fifthly, the Holy Father again addresses concupiscence, and the spousal meaning of the body. Three things he says about it. Concupiscence limits the spousal meaning of the body. Concupiscence violates the spousal meaning of the body. And concupiscence deforms the spousal meaning of the body. This is not good news. This is the flip side of the coin. The good news is that Jesus Christ suffered and died to redeem us from the limits of concupiscence, to reform us into his image, to take away what violates the spousal meaning of the body, namely our sins and our tendency to sin. He does this by his grace, given us through his bride, Mother Church. One last passage from this 31st Catechesis, Man and Woman, He Created Them a Theology of the Body, Pope John Paul again highlights the corruption of the spousal meaning of the body as he treats our fallen nature, the man of concupiscence. 
the Pope says this, The loss of original innocence, concupiscence, the source of shame, original sin in us, is the source of deformation which we suffer, a deformation of the spousal meaning of the body. Again, the Holy Father is not overconfident in our fallen state. But he doesn't just say that to beat us up, but to say, look, we need a Redeemer. Christ, the Lord, true God and true man, has come to redeem us, not only from the original sin which we inherit, but from the actual sins we commit against ourselves, against our neighbor, against the good God. It is the Lord who redeems us and restores us to original innocence and more. It is the Lord who gives us the grace we need to battle that tendency to sin, concupiscence in us. It is the Lord who alone can take away that sense of shame, but in order for him to do that, we need lay bare our wounds in the saving waters of baptism and for those post-baptismal sins in the sacrament of penance. That's where we allow the Lord to take away from us that deformation and to redeem us whole and entire, not just our souls, not just our bodies, but our whole self. In our day and age, there are those who deny there is even any such thing as sin, let alone sexual sins or sin with the body. But Pope John Paul II, for all these many years, the five years which he gave us the theology of the body, and even until the Lord should return, now that we can read the text ourselves, the Holy Father is not saying there is no such thing as sin. He calls sin, sin, and he calls grace, grace. And he knows who is the author of grace, the same who is the author of our very existence, Almighty God. And lest we think the Holy Father is all gloom and doom, as he gives these many passages highlighting our fallen nature, the tendency we have to sin, our concupiscence, he does address the flip side, the very positive outlook. And sometimes I suppose people can just focus on this. We should not forget it. It's important. Not only did God create us well, he saw all that he had created and it was good. But the Holy Father even addresses us in these words. One can even say that through shame, man and women almost remain in the state of original innocence. Almost. It's a key word in this 31st catechesis, and it will come again in the 32nd one. Almost. One can even say that through shame, men and women almost remain in the state of original innocence. Those who are said to be shameless do not recognize the state they're in. They don't recognize their fallen nature, the tendency they have to do evil, to sin. But when we recognize these things and we are ashamed of our sins, then we're recalling how God has made us. And we can call on him as St. Peter did, Lord, save me. Another passage where Pope John Paul II shows a positive light on our human nature, on our fallen yet redeemed selves, goes like this. They continually become conscious of the spousal meaning of the body and intend to protect it and to maintain the value of the communion, union of persons, in the unity of the body. Here we see the Holy Father showing how valiantly so many try to live, maintaining the value of the communion, the union of persons, continually conscious of the spousal meaning of the body, intending to protect it. This is not a looking down upon our human nature, saying the human person is totally depraved, as some have 
in the history of the world. This is the Holy Father recognizing grace where grace is at work, because those who would seek to protect the spousal meaning of the body, those who would seek to maintain the value of the spousal meaning of the body, the value of the communion, union of persons, are acting in accordance with and by God's grace to his glory and to their salvation. Now the trick is to get everybody to do the same. All of us have the fallen nature, and on our worst days we cooperate with the tendency to sin. But God's grace is sufficient and is there for the asking and for the receiving. And that's why Pope John Paul II gave us these 133 talks, of which we've been focusing on the 31st today. Our next program will continue to focus on the man of concupiscence, including the threat against the expression of the spirit in the body and the loss of the freedom of the gift. All of this part of the theology of the body of Pope John Paul II. Until next time, God bless you.